everyone, I'm your host, Bella Page, and after suffering from post-concussion syndrome for years, it was time to do something about it. So welcome to the Post-Concussion Podcast, where we dig deep into life when it doesn't go back to normal. Be sure to share the podcast and join our support network, Concussion Connect. Let's make this invisible injury become visible. The Post-Concussion Podcast is strictly an information podcast about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. It does not provide nor substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are simply intended to spark discussion about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. Welcome to episode number 125 of the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Bella Page, and Dr. Matthew Denner. Dr. Denner is a chiropractic physician and licensed athletic trainer in Charlotte, North Carolina, specializing in sports medicine and rehabilitation. Dr. Denner uses his unique background in manual therapy, functional rehabilitation, and joint manipulation to treat acute concussions, PCS, and other musculoskeletal conditions. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Yeah, thank you for having me. So to start, do you want to talk us over a little bit about what created your interest in concussions? Yeah, so it's kind of a personal experience how I got into um, treating concussions and kind of the interest of taking care of patients and PCS and that whole world. So growing up, I played, played soccer and had six diagnosed concussions growing up, five of which came from soccer. One, ice skating when I was younger, but the last one put me in the hospital for a little bit, a couple of days, um, at a subdural hematoma. So it was a little bit more than a concussion, but going through those experiences and kind of going through the process of seeing different medical professionals, rehabbing it, dealing with the symptoms that came along, I was in that, that world, and that was before I went to undergrad to be an athletic trainer and before I went to chiropractic school. It was all through kind of my high school playing career. So once I got to undergrad, I had a little interesting the concussion space, saw it a ton as an athletic trainer, but the treatment and the, uh, the kind of idea around concussion, specifically PCS2, wasn't wasn't everything right I hoped for. I hoped to learn different techniques, different uh, ways of thinking about it, but it was really traditional outlook. It wasn't until I got to chiropractic school and I had the privilege of hearing uh, Dr. Cameron Marshall talk about the concussion space and PCS and just like looking at the current literature and everything he was talking about really sparked my interest because it, it turned into a personal kind of goal at that point. There is a lot we could do, especially in the chiropractic world and the rehab world. So it really got me excited for continuing my education and kind of going down the route of maybe helping people out that, you know, were in a similar situation as I was. Mm -hmm. I really like how you said that you're trying to help people, but also the different aspects, like there is different things you can do. A lot of people reach out like, what can I even do? They don't even know where to start because you go and see your GP and they don't really know much. Maybe they'll send you to a neurologist and then that's kind of where it ends for so many people unless they can find the right people to talk to or that even have the knowledge because it's definitely something where like in school it's talked about, but until you actually seek out 
your own education on it, it's really hard to understand what you can do for concussions. So do you want to kind of walk us through, you said there's lots of options. So when we talked before, you talked about five main kind of areas of where people can, you know, get some help. So do you want to start there and then we'll just keep going and see what happens? Yeah, absolutely. So in the world of concussion, the big focus on manual therapy, rehab, and kind of what I do in the treatment room is specifically tailored to PCS. So acute concussions, we love to see them. We can do a lot in the initial stages to kind of get people set up with a game plan. So the risk of developing PCS is much lower. But kind of the bread and butter of everything that we do in the treatment room in the chiropractic and rehab world is treating those patients that have symptoms lasting longer than the typical amount of time. So I feel like that's where everyone kind of goes wrong with their, their treatment plan because, you know, it's all great until you're stuck with symptoms and you're battling this for extended amount of time. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky, but there's a lot of things we can do in both hands-on manual therapy, rehab, nutritional interventions to really give you the tools that you need to get symptom relief and get you back to, to where you were before the concussion. So I'd love to talk about there's really five main dysfunctions or aspects that we treat for those PCS patients. So we can kind of dive into each one of those and talk a little bit about them. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's really important to realize that there is things you can do and different things you can do in different aspects. And, you know, a lot of time we just feel so lost. And like you said, it's like you don't see acute patients very often. I'd say it's a lot less often because it's not the recommendation. We're working on that actually right now. Just started working on that on getting ERs up to speed on what they should be giving patients because they're just getting told to go home and rest. And you know, and I know that that is not the answer. But if you don't get told that's not the answer, usually it's not for months later where you're like, I'm still suffering. Why am I suffering? And then people start to reach out for help. So let's start with one of the five main categories. What yeah. would be the first one? So the biggest one, the first one that everyone can do and is kind of the big jumping off point is it's called blood flow dysregulation. So this incorporates exercise into the treatment, but after a concussion, there's actually a reduction in cerebral blood flow. So there's different mechanisms in your body that tell us how much blood we should be getting and regulating depending on what we're doing. So say we're increasing our heart rate, we're getting up from sitting down, there's different mechanisms in our body that help shunt blood to the brain and elsewhere. So this is a really common kind of dysfunction that happens after a concussion injury is that reduction in blood flow. So this could equal headaches, dizziness, right? Trouble focusing, difficulty, you know, symptom provocation when we're walking, jogging, trying to do any physical activity. So um, there's a great study in 2015 by Meyer and all that showed that patients that had PCS symptoms one month from their concussion correlated really well with blood flow dysregulation. So they looked at a ton of patients, right? Those who had a full recovery, they didn't have symptoms lasting longer than seven to 14 days. They didn't have this dysregulation, but those who were at a month and still had some symptoms, there was a correlation between that blood flow dysregulation. So we're not saying that every concussion patient has this dys mm -hmm. dysregulation because a lot of them it will rehab over time and they'll kind of get better with it. But a certain population is going to have this. So 
a big part of the treatment is actually exercise. So Letty and all, so Letty, Dr. Letty from University mm-hmm. of Buffalo and a couple of other of his colleagues developed the Buffalo treadmill test. So it's a test to determine your sub-symptom threshold heart rate. So it's the point where we're working out and we get a symptom increase, right? We do a little bit of math and that's your point where you're working out and it's a great rehab moving forward for patients. And you can get a lot of symptom relief by just moving your body, getting active. So the whole idea of rest is kind of out in the concussion world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like the way you explain that because you kind of didn't just talk about what it is because people sometimes are like, okay, blood flow dysregulation, what? How do I know if I have that? That is a huge right, thing. Yeah. And movement is huge. We talk about that a lot. On Concussion Connect, we have like a yoga introductory movement class just to get people comfortable with moving again. If they right. have kind of completely halted all these things and people always have a really hard time finding exercises they feel like they can do. But we always talk about like nobody said you had to go do it for an hour start slow, you know, you got to start somewhere and then build up from there, which is where that Buffalo treadmill test does come in. So that's really great. And I think it's really important. Like you said, just because you don't fit into this category doesn't mean you won't fit into the others and you might fit into a few of them. So, you know, anybody who's listening, don't feel like disheartened. Be like, oh, I don't deal with that. Or I try to exercise and it has to help me because there's a lot more to it than just that. So what would be a second category that can be addressed? Yeah. So number two would be metabolic, inflammatory, and hormonal. So after any injury, right, we get an increase in inflammation. It's kind of a normal process that our bodies go through. And it's, it's a, you know, healthy kind of normal thing that happens, right? We want good inflammation. We want that healing to kind of start where we want to stay away or what we want to stay away from is that chronic inflammation. So chronic systemic inflammation in our body has a strong indication of causing symptoms to linger around, specifically headache, feeling off. So we can do a great job with diet and anti-inflammatory supplements with your healthcare provider to kind of kickstart that process. So I don't know, you're familiar or your listeners with the gut-brain access. I'm sure you talk about it. We have talked about it a little bit before, for sure. Yeah. So there's a strong correlation between head injuries and the lining in our gut and how our gut communicates with our brain. So after an injury, we get a little bit of inflammation in our gut and the gap junctions in our stomach, right? The cells that keep it together, they get a little bit spread out from that inflammation. So the particles that we eat, right? We break down the food, tiny particles get into our bloodstream and our body, you know, it doesn't like that. We go, why, why are these things here? Let's create a little bit of inflammation, almost like an autoimmune response to kind of fix that process. So if you're living in that constant state of inflammation, really good way to kind of knock it out is kind of changing your diet a little Mm -hmm. bit. So avoiding kind of the refined sugars, the pasta, the gluten, dairy, it all has a good indication to lower inflammation and kind of help symptoms in that way. I love that because we have our cookbook, which is actually behind me, that has a ton of gluten-free, dairy-free, low-inflammation meals inside of it because so many people benefit when they change and do it slowly. I always like to say, don't cut everything out at once because sometimes then you're having like a different kind of overreaction, like cutting out gluten all at once will give you headaches. People that do keto, when they do that and they switch, they go completely gluten-free in a day. Well, usually you get like a gluten headache for a few days because your body's not used to not getting it. So, you know, slowly doesn't mean you never have to eat it. Just, you know, instead of eating maybe pasta, like you said, try gluten-free pasta, try rice. Just try changing it up a little bit to try to get less of that inflammation. 
the initial phase is really hard. So slow interact, slow taking things out, slow adding other things in can be really helpful. So that's really great. And we're going to talk about one more category. And after that, we'll take a quick break and get back to the last two. So what would be the third category? Yeah. So another thing we kind of look at in the office is the visual and vestibular system. So how your eyes and how your ears communicate with your brain and tell you where you are in space. So Christina Master did a study in 2019 that showed that up to 70% of concussion patients have some type of visual disturbance. A lot of times, you know, it's the cervical spine, it's different things in your case that's causing a little bit of the tracking issue with your eyes. In office, we do something called a VOMS assessment, vestibular ocular motor screen, to determine what actual mechanism in your eyes may be throwing you off a little bit. So really easy to kind of sort out in the initial stages of giving you great rehab to kind of go home. A lot of times I've had patients, right, we have headaches from reading, trouble, you know, just feeling weird or off on outside driving. We're just dealing with some of these dysfunctions that happen. So really the best rehab is going into your symptoms a little bit. So like you said, starting slow and we gradually build it up. So let's just say reading gave you a headache, right? Maybe we work on saccades, right? We work on that motion of moving your eyes across the page and slowly but surely we kind of get that rehab to keep going and going and going. You get more used to it um, and your symptoms decrease over time. I think the biggest thing for patients, even when I had my concussions, the hardest thing was realizing that my symptoms didn't necessarily equal harm or damage, right? You just instinctively, you do something that causes, you know, to have a headache or something and you want to stay away from it. It's just human nature. But in reality, we kind of have to go into it a little bit to get Mm -hmm. the best results. So we see that same with uh, the visual and vestibular system. So if it's vertigo, if it's that dizziness symptom, right, we do a combination of treatments, but it's going into your symptoms a little bit and getting you comfortable with getting back into the the normal daily routine of stuff. For sure. Vestibular is something that we hear about a lot. It's definitely like a buzzword, I'd say, in the concussion world in the last few years. And, you know, you mentioned, I like, you know, exposure therapy. I think that's where a lot of the time I got better without noticing or without working on it because I started to just live my life with my symptoms. So instead of just, you know, over pushing myself, I tried to learn to find a balance. So I did a lot of it like myself, where I was just like, but why don't we just go for a little bit? Why don't we just do it for a little bit? And when it becomes too much, we stop or we stop just before yeah. that and things like that. So it's really helpful. Something with reading. I used to do the bookmark method, I call it, where you put a bookmark where you stop reading so that you force yourself to stop reading at that moment. Because if you really love books, you can just keep reading and reading and reading. But instead of setting a time where you just kind of put a bookmark there when you hit it, you could stop for 15 minutes, you can stop for the day, but it kind of just gives you a little bit and not too much. And you kind of get to gauge yourself that way, which is really helpful. So I think that's great. Vestibular therapy is something that people, they hear it, they say they're going to do it. But this Mm -hmm. is where, like you said, there's five main categories where I think it's really important to bring that all together and realizing that it's not just vestibular sometimes. Like people, you know, I'm doing vestibular therapy and I'm not getting better. That's because there's so much more to this than just one thing at a time. So it's really important. That whole body approach is very, very important in concussion recovery. Yeah. I think off of that point, 
Booth did a study that showed that the patients that just did vestibular rehab, only 25 to 50% got better. Mm-hmm. So it really takes a combination of treatments to get the best results. So I've had patients, right, they say, I did vestibular, I'm done with that, yeah. right? Where it's definitely not that causing my symptoms. But in reality, maybe you just need a little bit of res- vestibular in this aspect and we're treating different things. So it's really the combination of all five, right, that gets the best results. I'm not saying that there's patients out there that just do vestibular and they get better. There's absolutely that case out there. But a lot of times, more often than not, it's going to take a combination of doing a lot of stuff. Absolutely. And from that, we are going to take a quick break until we get on to our next two of the five main categories we've been talking about. It's the holiday season. Need a perfect gift for a survivor or a suggestion to give a family member? I highly recommend the Post-Concussion Cookbook and our comfy podcast sweaters. Go to postconcussioninc.com to purchase or make sure you send off that link to someone today. Welcome back to the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Bill Page, and today's guest, Matthew Denner. So we've been talking about the five main categories. So far, we've gone over blood flow dysregulation, metabolic, inflammatory, and hormones, and also vestibular system, of course, as I'm sure everyone's heard that word a few times. So do you want to talk to us about the fourth category? Yeah, so the fourth one um, that really fits well in my profession as a chiropractor is the cervical spine. Dr. Marshall did a research um, study on whiplash symptoms and concussion symptoms, and they found that they correlate really well together. So they couldn't decipher if that patient had a concussion or whiplash just based off their symptoms. So we know that a concussion occurs around 70 to 120 G-forces, and whiplash actually occurs at 4.5 G-forces. So if you've had enough force to have a concussion, there's going to be some cervical spine involvement. Is that cervical spine involvement causing your PCS or causing your symptoms? We don't know until we kind of evaluate and go through treatment. But a strong correlation between cervical spine complaints and um, a lot of the symptoms that present with PCS. So just to kind of give a framework of how it works with the cervical spine, right? If certain muscles in our neck are tight, and they're constantly telling our brain that we're in a position that we're not, right? Our eyes and our vestibular system are on to kind of interact with that. So say our SCM, the muscle right here, is cranked on and really tight, right? It's going to tell my brain that I'm tilting my head this way, and that's where patients get a lot of dizziness or they just feel off or weird until you address that uh, muscular kind of imbalance. So there's a lot we can do on the manual therapy side of things right, to actually loosen this muscle up, but then also giving you the rehab tools to help strengthen and coordinate the muscles around your neck to keep away that tension and tone from coming back. So I think in the cervical spine, joint manipulation or the chiropractic adjustment done in the right way can be an effective tool. Of course, you would have to get an evaluation and really not for everybody. I'm not saying that's a blanket statement, but for the right case, joint manipulation, manual therapy can be really effective at lowering overall symptoms and not what the typical kind of mindset is. So it's just not for headaches, right? We see it in brain fog. We see it in fatigue, right? If we're constantly living in this state, it can kind of affect different systems. So I think a cervical spine is a huge component along with visual and vestibular. That's why we like to treat all of them 
together because if we just do vestibular rehab or just do visual, right, and it's the neck, right, it could be throwing the eyes off and vice versa, right? Eye movements have strong correlation with neck tightness. So it takes a combination of specifically those three to really get the impactful results that that we want. So I think like a great option would be going to a rehab professional that's well trained in this kind of concussion space because they can actually do the treatment right in office, diagnose and get you back to where you need to be. I think that's really great because Neck issues is something a lot of people mention when we go back to like the blood flow dysregulation on the the movement. So many people are like, oh, but my neck hurts too much to that, or I can't do that because my neck, I can't, it's very common. Very, I hear all the time, my neck, right. my neck, my neck, or I have all this pain at the base of my head, all those types of things. So definitely an important thing to get looked at, talk to a professional, always, always recommending that because, you know, you can hear all this stuff, but Sometimes it's really important and it is always really important to get addressed by somebody who knows what they're talking about. And sometimes that's not always the easiest to find, but there is people out there that understand these things and can help you. And so let's talk about the fifth. What is the last of the five main yeah, categories? So arguably the biggest component is the psychological piece of it. So improper or poor education on the healthcare practitioner's part is a huge cause of PCS and symptoms and kind of the mismanagement of care a little bit. So if you're being told to sit in a dark room, right, wear sunglasses, don't work out, don't move your body, get off your phone for extended amount of time, you know, can lead to this idea that, right, I'm damaged, I need to protect it, right, I can't, can't do the things I want which in the end really leads to more symptoms and and longer recovery time. So I think just like educating patients that there's a lot we can do in the initial stage. We're not talking about traumatic brain injury. We're talking about mild traumatic brain injury or the concussion. I mean, there is so much you can do in the initial stages. You shouldn't feel like you don't have the resources or you're damaged or, you know, anything like that because there's a lot of information out there that we can kind of get you in touch with to kind of get you in the right places with the right healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. So I think the psychological component is, you know, massive. There's also different theories about, right, the nocebo effect. We all heard of the placebo, you know, taking a placebo drug, right, can have a profound positive impact. Um, but what's not talked about so well is the nocebo. So if we attribute everything in our life to the concussion, we can kind of paint this picture of exacerbating symptoms and um, not really having the recovery we want. And it's not really your concussion, right? It's kind of the position that you got put in or that you're currently in. So just say we had headache one day, right? Maybe you would have had that headache originally, right? If it's just a healthy kind of day, you have a headache, it might be part of the picture. So just not attributing everything to concussion and knowing that a symptom provocation doesn't necessarily equal damage. So I think once patients understand that, I I was the same way. Once I kind of got that reassurance that I'm not going to hurt myself even more by moving my body or doing things, it gave me like a huge kind of motivation to keep going, get out there and really kickstarted, you know, recovery in that way. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. The mental health aspect of this is ginormous. We talk about it a lot. It's actually kind of why I started all this is because I was in that 
category 10 years ago where you got told just to stay in a dark room. The sad thing is, is people are still getting told that. Right. That kind of irks me a lot, uh, but I was the result of that. I was the result of staying in a dark room, doing nothing, and then trying to get out of that took me so much longer than it should have because it affected me. All of a sudden, everything was way too bright. Everything was way too loud. All of a sudden, my headaches were like, well, they were already really bad. I had a lot of, there's a lot to it than just that, but it definitely does show that like, we don't want to do that anymore. And I don't say, you know what, if you're having the worst headache of your life, and you can't get out of bed, you're allowed to rest. I'm not saying yeah, you're not allowed to rest, but just don't stay there. Don't get stuck there for days on end. And like you said, that headache, we talk a lot about how, you know, we have a headache Monday and then we make that headache last till Friday. And I'm not saying it wouldn't have lasted. I'm just saying we can make it worse by working ourselves up, by knowing that it's going to be here all week, by stressing ourselves out. It's not that it doesn't exist. It's that we can definitely make things worse with our thoughts. And so it's a lot about questioning those thoughts using our own power of thought. This is where talk therapy can be huge of being able to, like, am I really feeling this bad? We talk a lot. Uh, I just gave a talk on this down in Toronto, Canada the other day about putting our symptoms in the background instead of always having them in the front. Sometimes we, everything we do, we're like, oh, well, what about my eyes or what about my head or what about this? How about we put them back? Like put them behind you and then carry on. And you know what? They might still be there, but if they're in the front of your mind, it's all you're going to think about. You're not going to get through it. All you're going to exist is with this. So we really want to focus on living our life while we're still going to therapy and treatment and all those types of things to the best of our ability. And that might look very different every day as I have seen concussion survivors from, you know, can barely walk and can barely get out of bed to still working full time and still doing everything they plan to. So there's lots of spectrum, lots of variations, especially to these five categories. You don't always know what you're going to need, but it's definitely somewhere to start. It's definitely something to look into is have I even addressed all of these? Have I addressed the five categories that we just talked about? Or have I addressed one of them? Well, maybe it's somewhere to look into. And so I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about a lot, just going over those five main categories. It's a lot to take in and it's a lot to consider and get into. And is there anything else you would like to add before we end today's episode? Yeah, I think if you're out there and you're looking for a healthcare provider, you can go on Complete Concussion Management and they have a find a clinic. So you can, it's a free resource. There's a world map of uh, clinicians around your area. So if you're in the Charlotte Southeast area, my clinic will pop up. So you can find, you know, the healthcare provider to hopefully get you um, the resources that you need if you're struggling out there. So I would look for a rehab professional, so either a PT, a chiropractor on that map, because they can give you the, really the resources to, uh, you know, fix those five kind of dysfunctions that we talked about. So even if you've had symptoms, you know, for a year, lasting longer, there's still a lot of stuff you can do. Yeah, for sure. I think it's great. It's really important. Like we're here as like your your addition. <laughs> I always like to say yeah. we're, every, we're everything that clinics don't do, which is like, you know, community, knowing that there's people there for you, having people that ask questions about general things that are going on. But it is really important to still see professionals. And like you said, even though you're a year out, 
there's still things you can do. And my favorite thing about the concussion world is that the research is just growing and growing every year. More things are coming out. More people are getting into the research. More funding is going into it. So don't be afraid because maybe what you haven't tried yet just came out yesterday. So don't forget to, you know, keep looking, keep trying. And thank you so much for joining us today and sharing some of your experience with helping concussion survivors. Yeah, thanks for having me. Need more than just this podcast? Be sure to check out our website, postconcussioninc.com, to see how we can help you in your post-concussion life. From a support network to one-on-one coaching, I believe life can get better because I've lived through it. Make sure you take it one day at a time.